You're listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Last week, we started a series called Awaiting Advent. Awaiting Advent. And we looked at two people that eagerly awaited the arrival, the advent of the Messiah. The arrival of the Messiah, Simeon and Anna. And they had both waited many years and they didn't lose heart even when the heavens were silent. And they held out hope for the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And they were blessed. They were both blessed, even in their old age, to see baby Jesus at the temple. And um, it was a fulfillment of their prayers, a fulfillment in their lives. If Christmas teaches us anything, it teaches us to wait. Think about Christmas. It's all about waiting. As the month of, of December progresses and we inch our way towards Christmas Day... Presents are going to appear under the tree. And the struggle of every child and even some adults is to know that there is a gift underneath that tree with their name on it, but yet they're unable to open it. Not yet. Not yet. It's a struggle, right? For those of you that like to do your Christmas shopping online, you know what it's like. You find that perfect gift for the individual that you're buying it for. You order it only to have to wait for it to be delivered. And, and, and there is an anxiety that builds up because the closer that you get to Christmas, the more that that anxiety builds and, and you're hoping and you're praying that the gift will be delivered in time. And if it is, if it is delivered in time, then that UPS or FedEx or Amazon driver, they become your savior in that moment. And you're, you just thank God that it made it there in time. Even on Christmas Day, think about this. On Christmas Day, after the gifts have been opened, as the family gathers and, and the aroma of food begins to fill the house, this message always goes over worse during uh, 11 o'clock service. Anytime you talk about food, uh, you guys are okay right now. You're, you're going to get to eat sooner than they will. But, but think about it. Think about Christmas Day. The aroma of food fills the house. Don't you dare walk through the kitchen and try and, and sneak a, a, a piece of ham. Don't do it because that, that cook will slap your hand and tell you not yet, not yet. You wait, you wait. As, as Tom Petty once saying, waiting is the hardest part, right? Waiting is the hardest part. Christmas, it teaches us patience and it teaches us to wait, except for you parents that, that give in. You know, you can't stand it. You're just like, I've, they, they get to open one gift. They get to open and that one gift turns into two. And before you know it, They've only got one left for Christmas morning, right? You're the problem. Okay. <laughs> Advent is about waiting. It's about waiting. It's, it's the symbolism of waiting on the Messiah to arrive, to redeem and save Israel. And, and it is anticipation and expectation all rolled up together. Consider that opening verse of the Christmas classic that says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. It's all about waiting. It's all about anticipation. Well, the good news is Emmanuel did come. Emmanuel did come. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us, became a reality. And, and, and he showed up as a newborn baby, not as a full-grown king. 
And I believe that the reason why he had to come as a child, as a, as a baby, is because there were no shortcuts with this. If, if he was going to become one of us, then he was going to have to mature like one of us. And so there was no need for him to be brought to this planet, God with us, as a full-grown man. No, there, there had to be some maturing. There had to be some trials. There had to be some things that he had to endure along the way in order for him to relate to us. So he wasn't born as a full-grown king. No, he came as a newborn baby. And, and two years later, there were some wise men from the east that brought gifts fit for a king. We're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 2. And then a little bit later, we'll, we'll share out of Luke chapter 2. But two years after his birth, these wise men brought gifts for royalty. And King Herod, who was the ruler of Judea, decided that his personal agenda was at risk. Now, I want you to think about this. His personal agenda was at risk. So he ordered all male children, two years of age and younger, in the vicinity of Bethlehem to be killed, all because his personal agenda was at risk. Mm. There's a danger in that. Anytime we start killing babies because of our personal agendas, there's a problem. Okay? Oh, is it too soon in the political season? Would you rather me wait till 2024? Because I will. No? Okay. All right. Let's, let's move on. Thankfully, these wise men were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and they returned home a different way. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Now when they, that's the wise men, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. Let's go down to verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in, in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that... What was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Israel had been waiting on the Messiah to show up. And when he does, he's just a child, just a baby. Any hope of redemption would have to wait for him to mature mentally and physically. Any chance of him becoming the warrior king that would defend Israel, that would fight for Israel, that would bring about some type of redemption for Israel, it, it, it had to wait because he was going to have to grow up. What good is a child to a nation that is oppressed by the Roman Empire? If there is an acquired trait of those that believe in the kingdom of God, church, it's waiting. Waiting. It's learning to wait. When you think about your relationship with Jesus Christ, when you think about your position in the kingdom of God, 
If there is a trait that, that all of us must learn as we become citizens of the kingdom of God, it's learning to wait. Dr. George Eldon Ladd of Fuller Theological Seminary wrote about the two natures of the kingdom of God. He said that it's, it's presence and its future state. That's how he described the kingdom of God. It's presence and its future state. And he used this phrase that, that has stuck with me for years. Already and not yet. Already and not yet. That's how he described the kingdom of God. In, in, in his paper, A Theology of the New Testament, New Testament to describe his position on the kingdom of God and then he explained his choice of words of already and not yet. Here's what he said. He said the early church found itself living in a tension between realization and expectation between already and not yet. I, I want this to sink in. I, I want you to receive this today. I, I need you. You need you to receive this. He said the early church found itself living in this tension between realization and expectation, between already and not yet. I want you to think about what Jesus taught. When Jesus taught in Matthew 1 and 15 at the beginning of his ministry, he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. You hear that? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, now in Matthew 6 verses 9 and 10, he taught his disciples to pray. And when he taught them to pray, he said pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here it is. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so which one is it? Which one is it? It is, is the kingdom of God here? Is it at hand here? Is it, is it here now? Or is it to come? Is it here? Or is it later? Is it right now? Or is it to come? And church, this is the tension that we find ourselves in today. The already and the not yet kingdom of God. Oh, I know. I know some of you are like, oh my God, what is happening right now? What, what? It's the already kingdom of God, and it's the not yet kingdom of God. It's here. It's now. But there's more to come. And with every aspect of the kingdom of God, it is here and it is to come. We are born again into eternity here in this life. How many of you are thankful that you are born again into eternity right now? Amen? But yet, we are still appointed once to die a physical death to inherit the imperishable. It is here and it is to come. We are healed by his stripes now. Amen? We are healed now. But sometimes we still battle sickness and disease and we will not receive our healing until eternity. It's here and it is to come. God rules and reigns from his throne right now. Amen? Amen? He is sovereign. God is in control. But we still pray. We still hope. We still believe for his kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the greatest teacher of expectation and patience. Because it is here now and it is to come. And the king has come. 
The king has come. I, I, I know this because I was brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was brought out of darkness into his kingdom. So the kingdom is in us, but there's still more to it. There's still more. I, I'm, not, I'm not just settling for this. This is great. This brought about my salvation. But understand, there's still more to it. And even now, we wait and anticipate the return of Christ. You see, we don't wait on the birth of the Messiah anymore. We light Advent candles in, 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 in symbolizing that. But the Messiah has come. But he's coming again. He's here now. But he's going to come in all of his glory later. Is anyone comprehending it? Good, because I can't. Like, I, I can't wrap my mind around this. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. But we should pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And, and what I love about this is not only are we waiting, but by example, God waits. God waits. The Son of God left the throne of heaven to become a child on earth. Then, around the age of two, he has to leave the very nation that he came to redeem and flee to Egypt. You tracking? Have you ever felt like you were moving farther and farther away from your promise? Have you ever felt like you, you were being pushed away from your purpose? Have you ever gone through that season in life to where you, you know what, what, what joy it would bring if you could walk into that destiny? However, it feels like every step you're taking is leading you farther and farther away from the purpose that God's called you. You felt, ever felt like you were moving away from that promise? Because what you're hoping and believing for is over there. But you're moving in the opposite direction. How disappointing this must have been. And don't tell me that a two-year-old can't be disappointed. Try telling that to my 14-month-old grandson. That when you take the drumsticks away from him, hmm, get ready. He was only seven and a half months old. It was on Father's Day of this past year. And we were eating at P.F. Chang's as a family. All of us were there. He was seven and a half months old. And I took the chopsticks and broke them apart and put them in his hands just to see what he would do. And that kid crossed his hands and he began. And I went, he's a prodigy. Like he's brilliant. And I can't help it that my grandson's just smarter than yours. I mean, it's just, this kid was brilliant. Until he started getting closer to his eyes. And then I'm like, you're stupid. Stop. Like, what are you doing? You're going to poke your eye out, kid. You know? And, and, and so I, I took them away from him to, to help him because he wasn't quite mature enough to understand it yet. So I took the chopsticks away. And when I did, it was the first time that, that this pop rock had ever seen that bottom lip come out and he, and he started crying I couldn't get the bill fast enough let a check please 
We got in the car. We drove across the parking lot to the guitar center. And I went inside and bought him the shortest, fattest drumsticks I could find so that he couldn't poke his eye out. And that kid's been beating on everything ever since. For his birthday, I bought him a set of drums. And Friday night, me and him played the mess out of those drums. It was fun. It was great. It's still a challenge today. After church, he likes to sit on my lap. I'll bring him up here and let him beat on the drums a little bit. But it's not easy to take the sticks away from him. He'll cry. I know what you're thinking. Jesus was only two years old. There's no way that he knew what was going on. Okay. Okay. If you're not convinced, how about Jesus at 12 years old? When, when his family's caravan leaves Jerusalem, and they don't know it, but he stays behind in Jerusalem. His parents travel for a full day before they realize that Jesus is not with them, that he's still somewhere in Jerusalem. Luke chapter 2, verses 46 through 41. 46 through 51. says, After three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Now listen, this is that moment that he realizes, this is my purpose in life. He, he is mesmerizing the teachers of the law. Verse 47 says, And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. I mean, think about it. We've been given the responsibility of raising God's son. And we lost him. Verse 49, and he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Wait, what? He was submissive to them. Next time your 12-year-old looks at you. And says, I don't have to listen to you. Remind them, Jesus, God, listened to his parents. He was submissive to them. You do that right after you spank them. <laughs> and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. You see, it was in this moment that he knew his calling. Jesus understands his destiny. Yet, even God has to wait. God had to wait. God the Son had to wait. Even though they were astonished, amazed at his answers and what he was teaching and what he was saying, in this moment, he still has to put pause on his ministry. And the only two instances of his childhood that are recorded in Scripture after the first week of his birth do not display his lordship, but rather his ability to wait. Just to wait. It's almost as if, church, that God uses the art of waiting for his divine purposes and a season of preparation over our lives. Think about it. Abraham waited on God's promise to be fulfilled. 
He waited on that promise. He waited on the promise of a son. He waited on the promise of, of, of becoming the father of all nations. He waited on the promise. Joseph waited in prison for his purpose to manifest. The Hebrews wandered and waited in the wilderness. Job waited through his suffering. David waited to be king. Daniel waited for breakthrough in prayer and fasting. And Jesus waited for 30 years to begin his earthly ministry after he was born. 30 years he had to wait. Waiting is a part of God's sovereign plan and it serves a purpose in our lives because the scripture tells us right after this instance at the temple at 12 years old, it tells us that between the ages of 12 and 30, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. He grew in wisdom and in stature. He grew mentally, he grew physically, and he grew in favor with God and with man. There's something about waiting, church. It's the kingdom of God. It is learning to wait. Psalm 27 and 14 says, wait for the Lord. Somebody say wait. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Isaiah 30 and 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 says, Be, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. And I love this, this illustration. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the, the early and the late rains? You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He said, you need to learn to wait just as the farmer waits. And, and there's a rainy season that's coming because they wait in patience knowing that once the rain comes, then the harvest will come. But you have to wait. You have to learn to wait. We must all learn to wait on the Lord. After all, he patiently waited on us. And for some of you, he's still waiting on you. Romans 2 and 4 tells us, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? God's kindness, his patience is intended to turn you from your sin. God waits on us to turn us from our sin. Romans 5 and 8, it says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His patience, his patience, his patience for us. Oh, there's story after story in this room right now. I'm God waiting for you. We have become so impatient with life. We want it now. God, thy kingdom come right now, right now, right now. I want it now. God, I want that blessing now. Ask the prodigal son about getting the blessing right now. There was some maturing that had to take place. I want it now. And we have forgot we have forgotten how to wait because everything is so instant in our world, so, so, so right now. What if we took this Advent season and we said, God, I'm just not going to get in a hurry as it relates to the kingdom of God.
Imagine how different this year's Christmas could be if you didn't let the hustle and bustle of all of it control you and your home and especially your relationship with Christ. It's just learning to wait. Because Advent is that great reminder that we are sitting right in between the already and the not yet. Right, right between redemption and restoration. It's going to happen. Listen, there will be a day when all things will be made new. Everything. All things. All health will be made new. All credit scores will be made new. All marriages will be made new. All relationships will be made new. There's coming a day. And it's that tension that we find ourselves in right now. That he just says, be patient. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Teach us, God, to wait. Teach us. Because we find ourselves right now, Lord, between your birth and your return. And so we wait expectantly, but we wait. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.